This is episode 56 of the Creative Giant Show. I'm Charlie Gilkey. Thanks for joining me. If you're an entrepreneur or small business owner, have you ever wondered what might have been had you started earlier? Or what it would be like to be a teenage entrepreneur? I have, so I invited Jordan Agoli to join me on the Creative Giant Show. He started his first business when he was 14, and he's now on the beginning of his fourth business, and he's only 21. Ready? Let's do this. Welcome to the Creative Giant Show, where we go behind the scenes about what it means to live a life full of creative and professional success. Creative giants are talented, renaissance souls with a compassion-fueled bias towards action. Now, here is your host, Charlie Gilkey. Jordan Goli is a serial entrepreneur and is currently involved in his fourth company. The kicker? He's now only 21 years old. He founded his first business when he was 14, pivoted that company into a landscaping company, and grew it to 20 employees by the time he was 18. In August 2013, he sold his quarter of the company in order to pursue new ventures. In February of 2014, Jordan founded Teenage Entrepreneur, a platform focused on educating and inspiring the younger generation to pursue entrepreneurship. The show had listeners in 65 countries and opened the door for Jordan to teach entrepreneurship to students in Albania via a partnership with the U.S. government and an Albanian NGO. In February 2015, Jordan was hired as the Director of Operations for Killer Shark Marketing. Killer Shark focuses on building websites and marketing campaigns to drive more customers for their clients. Jordan's primary focus has been on fixing operational breakdowns, building maintaining relationships with new current clients, and managing day-to-day operations. Aside from operations and entrepreneurship, Jordan is the president of his bowling league, where he's bowled a perfect game of 300, a first-degree black belt in the Japanese martial art of Taito, and is preparing to launch his second podcast called Real Talk. Like many creative giants, Jordan has his hands in a lot of projects, and I'm excited to have him share his journey with us. Jordan, thanks so much for the great work you do and for joining me on the show today. Thank you so much for having me, man. I'm really excited to be here. All right. I'm excited about this because, I mean, you're 21 right now, and you've yeah. already been in your, what, fourth business? Am I counting correctly? Uh, you, you had... It, it would depend. I owning, I've, I've uh, started on two. Well, I guess the podcast would be three. I, three and then working in the fourth. So, over, yeah. I've, yes. <laughs> Four, 21. This is fantastic. So, um, let's go back to that origin story, though. Yeah. So, like, how did you get started? I mean, you're 14... And you want to start a pressure washing company? How does, I mean, when I was 14, I wasn't thinking about starting a pressure washing company. So how did that land upon you? Well, to tell you the truth, man, neither was I. I, uh, I was dragged into some volunteer work that I partly didn't really want to do. So 14 years old and my best friend, his father is a pastor. And he said, hey man, I need your help. Uh, my dad wants us to pressure wash the sidewalk of the church. Can you come help me? I didn't know what pressure washing was. And I, you know, he's my best friend, love him, love his dad. I was like, okay, okay, I'll come help. We pressure wash what I thought was going to be a few hours turned into like 30 hours of work throughout the week, which is a long time. If you've ever pressure washed, Yeah, it's a long time. And out of that, people, uh, members of the church started walking by and saying, Hey, you know, you guys are pressure washing. Would you come pressure wash my driveway? And you know, this was, we, we had no idea what we were doing, but we said, yeah, sure. 
And then they say, how much are you going to charge us? We had no idea. We're like a hundred bucks. And that's, that's how it started, man. It's just so organically. And through that, you know, we, we grew every year, uh, got better equipment. And I remember when we first started, my mom would have to drop me off. I'd put it in the back of her Toyota Highlander, which was a terrible decision because pressure washers are very heavy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and that's how it started, man. I mean, and we ran that, uh, for three years for three years. And so that's how, that's how we got started in the first business. Okay. So normally when we talk about entrepreneurship, like there are all these details that I want to go into because it's just fine. Cause you're 14, you can't drive, right? <laughs> you can't drive. Nope. I don't even think you can open up a bank account for yourself. 15 was when I could open up one, which I did at 15. Uh, my, my partner was 15 and his dad filed for the business license for us. So we didn't even really own the business because we, we couldn't. So we, we kind of did, but we also kind of did it. <laughs> so, so like, again, I'm gonna hang out here because this is such a fun story. Um, marketing boards of advisors, like all those types of things. How did that work for you? Cause again, you're 14 and 15 years old. Yeah. Like, you know, was this all word of mouth? Um, how do you grow a business when you're 14, 15 years old? The first one was referrals people. So I live, where do, you, where do you live, Charlie? I live in Portland, Oregon right now. Okay, Oregon. I've never been there. I need to go there. But I live in Atlanta, Georgia in the suburban area. So where we were doing a lot of pressure washing was right around a lot of uh, middle school and high school areas. So moms and dads would always drive by and we'd be pressure washing and they'd see young guys pressure washing and they'd stop and they'd talk to us. And that's how we really started to grow the business. And then we discovered this thing called uh, the internet. <laughs> we discovered a hyper-local directory called the AHA Connection that was started by a mother in Dunwoody that targeted moms and she gathered them and created an email list out of that and you could pay her to advertise on it. So it's just like a hyper-local Yelp uh, Angie's list, all, all of those that are, that are big right now, but this is just for the Dunwoody area in Atlanta, Georgia in two zip codes. And now the list is up to tens of thousands, but four, five, I don't even know, um, seven years ago, six, seven years ago, a few thousand people. And we ran ads on there for like 250 bucks a month. She had just started and it blew up. I mean, just phone call after phone call after phone call. And we made a name for ourselves through that directory. Cheap marketing too. It really was. Cheap marketing. So you're going to school, correct? Uh, yeah, I was going into, I think eighth grade or ninth grade at the time. Okay. So phones ringing off the hook during the day. Who's mm -hmm. answering the phones? We were, we were, the business was the busiest during the summertime. So what would happen is the leaves would fall during the wintertime and it would ruin their driveways anyway. So we told people, Hey, we don't want to screw you over because if we pressure wash your driveway right now, it's going to get dirty again, save it until X time during the year. So we ran it for probably between five to eight months throughout of the year. And then it was downtime for the other side, but yeah, we, we, we would pick it up. So, <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> so for people who did not grow in the Southeast of the United States, I grew up in Arkansas, right? Okay. So they may, they may not realize that there's like eight or nine months of sort of summer um, or Springs or like yeah. there's a period of time. So for, for I, I moved to Portland and realized there was like three months of summer and I was like, this is okay. This is different. Um, but it's mm -hmm. three months of amazing summer. Yeah. Of amazing summer. So, okay. Um, so then you exited this business three years later. 
Why? Yes. Yes. I exited because I was focused on sports at the time. I was heavily involved in basketball and heavily involved in martial arts. And I wanted to pursue those. I wanted to be on the varsity team and I wanted to get my black belt. And that's, it's what I did. I, I, you know, exited that we made great money, but I was more focused on the, the sports at the time. So it was, it was a good decision. And until I wanted to go back into the, into the business world. So, why, why was it hard to go back into the business world? Why was it hard to go back? Well, so did you just shut down the business? Did you sell it? Did someone start managing for you? So tell us to us about that jump real quick. Yes. Yeah, so we really just, we kind of, I'd say we, we piped down on marketing and really just tailed it off. And my partner, Daniel, he started mowing lawns. And that was three years. So he was 17. No, he was 18. And I was 17 at the time. And, you know, we would do one-off pressure washing jobs here and there, but he started mowing lawns and he kind of just merged them together almost because landscaping and pressure washing go hand in hand. Any landscaping company, you know, they're going to do pressure washing, not vice versa, but every landscaping company I know does pressure washing. So kind of just merged into that and I would help him when, when need be, but he, yeah, I guess you could say he definitely took that part and, and ran with it. Okay. Um, so you mentioned it was hard getting back into business after sports and martial arts. Why? Because I was just out of it for, for a little while. It was, it was kind of like anything in life, a little bit difficult to get back into the groove and it had worked so well before quite easily actually. I mean, it, it really just flowed pretty easily. I was concerned that uh, it, it wouldn't happen again, but it did. It worked out well. It worked out very well when, when we got back into it, which was, which was the landscaping. So uh, the same thing again, the exact same thing. We leveraged being high schoolers. So I was a, uh, a senior in high school when we... So my, my partner, Daniel, he had started that business the pressure or the landscaping business. And then I joined him shortly after, and we really grew that to, to a very legitimate business. Uh, 20 employees uh, had 120 weekly clients and grew that through the same directory, which had grown at that point and really marketed that we were young, that we were ambitious, uh, seniors in high school and freshmen in college working to build a business and make money. And that caught the attention of the parents and grew like wildfire. See, that's amazing because 18 years old, managing 20 people, like, I mean, at that point you could actually open up bank accounts and stuff. So, I mean, you oh, yeah, yeah. It, was, own. <laughs> it, it was real. It was real. We had taxes and, uh, and all the, everything payroll. Uh, we, we had the, the whole nine yards. So. so did you do this while you went to college? Did you defer college? Talk to us about that part of it. That is a very good question. So <clears throat> I will try and summarize this, uh, this situation. <laughs> I love a good story. Don't summarize. Yeah. Let's, let's go. <laughs> All right. So I, let's see, I went to private school up until 11th grade. I homeschooled for one of the years, uh, my freshman year and did school online. And right before my senior year of high school, I was on a school trip in China, helping out an orphanage and me and my friends got drunk on the trip and we were snitched on and caught and sent home from China and kicked out of school two days later. So pretty classic story. It was funny because I had just become school president. So it <laughs> really didn't 
Probably my favorite, my favorite piece is my friends uh, posted on Twitter and they said the president has been impeached. And I thought that that was hilarious. Wow. Uh, Wow. I I got expelled, which was, I laugh now, very traumatizing at the point, at at that point in time. Parents weren't very happy, but out of that, I realized, A, I only needed one class to graduate high school. B, I had a lot of time in my hands and C, I... Uh, I wanted to use that time to work in the, in the business. So because of that, I could work full time in the landscaping business. And we got it to a point that by the time we started applying for colleges, I was like, screw college. I don't need to go to college <laughs> making money. And I don't want to go to school. I was very angry at the school system. So I actually got, the, I got denied from like seven out of nine colleges I applied to because of the expulsion uh, and said, screw it. I, I'm just, I'm just not going to go to school. However, my parents did not agree with that. So I made a deal with my dad that I would do a semester of college to satisfy him. And then if I didn't like it, then I wouldn't stay. So I did about half of a semester of college and I, I couldn't, I couldn't stay, man. You know, I've the whole college situation we could talk about for, for hours, but, um, I left the landscaping business um, at the end of 2013, which was also the first semester of college. So kind of at the same time. Alrighty. So let's go there. What was it about college? That I didn't like. That you didn't like, that wasn't for you, that like, you know, you, you, you went half a semester. And I say that I, I love that you went half a semester. I love when people um, just realize it's not a good fit for them. Yeah, do something that's better for them than just get mm-hmm. stuck. So you didn't get stuck. So I want to apologize. I, I want to like, you know, acknowledge that. But also, why didn't it work for you? A few reasons. One, I would say I never wanted it to work for me. So, you know, looking back, that was almost, I guess that was two years ago, almost two and a half years ago. So I've, I've grown and matured a lot since then emotionally. And I was very angry at everyone in my life because everybody was against me. So I never, at first I never wanted it to work. So that would probably be the number one, one of the number one reasons. Number one but, reason, if you don't want something to work, it's likely not to work. Exactly. Keep going. Exactly. So it was, it was a major attitude issue towards that. But aside from the attitude issue, there's, there's a lot of feelings I have about it now. If you don't know what you want to do with your life, I don't think spending tens of thousands of dollars a year in an institution and going into debt is a wise financial move. Just from a strictly business point of view, it's like, here's the equivalent of that. Hey, Charlie, um, I'm going to give you $40,000 and you're going to invest it in a company you don't even really know if, if you care about. Uh, and you know what? Maybe two years later, you're going to switch companies that invest more money into something else. You would never do it. <laughs> if you did, I would say, stop. Just stop. Yeah, right. stop. Like, yeah. Um, but people don't look at it as, as a business investment when in reality, that is a lot of money. And I, I had no idea what I, I wanted to do with life. And I much, I, I much more wanted to work, make money, gain experience and do something other than, than stay in school. And the other thing was they really boxed you into a system. And that was, that was my issue with school from, from the get go. Why I also homeschooled, um, I think college serves a purpose. I have friends. One of my friends is in medical school. The other one's becoming a lawyer. You have to go to school for that stuff. And they're going to help the world and make it a better place. But for myself, neither of those are my callings. And one day, if you know, if I wake up and I, and I discover I really, really want to be a doctor, then I would need to go back to school. But 
until then, there's there's just not a reason for me to go there unless I'm hyper focused and I need X training certification things like that. Yeah, what you mentioned is a common theme for the net generation and late millennials is that are really starting to question the value of higher education. In your case, like the the typical script is this: you go to college so you can get a job, mm-hmm. right, and then get married and have kids, whatever, whatever that script is, right? There's that script. But in your case, you already had a job, right? Yes. Um, you already had economic, you know, possibilities. And mm-hmm. so that particular stair step didn't quite work. Now I'm going to pause here because there, there are some people listening. They're like, you know, liberal artists and people with the humanity. Yeah. And they realize that I've got nearly a PhD in philosophy. So they're like, what about the liberal arts and the education? Like, yeah. I agree with that, right? Um, really valuable stuff there. But at the same time, if you're looking at it from a pragmatic point of view in the way that you mentioned, like the cost of higher ed is so high and so many employers anymore aren't actually screening for it. So it's, it's a different world when it comes to education. It is, man. It is. And I, I have a tremendous amount of respect for anybody that goes to college and gets a degree because A, it's not easy to do. And B, you really have to put in the time and effort. Like a lot of people don't get in college. A lot of people aren't fortunate enough to go. So those who do graduate, I applaud you because that is a major accomplishment that not everybody can say that, they, that they've done. Just from my point of view, financially and things like that. And for, for just me personally, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of my friends that I would say stay in school. Because the other thing is, if you're not in school, you better have something figured out that you're going to be doing. And I was fortunate enough to grow up in the entrepreneurial world um, to discover the podcasting world and discover this thing called the internet opens up an entire new world of possibilities. But if people are not in that world, you know, it, it is hard. It is hard. And that's, and that's where the stigma of, you know, you're going to struggle to find work and make money when you don't go to college comes from because it is very difficult. So I'm curious and, and pull us in because, you know, we've got different generations at play here. Um, I just kind of assumed at this point that like high schoolers going through, you know, high school, like understand sort of blogging and that there's this world of online business and stuff going like that. Is that a false perception? I would say tremendously false perception. I really, really would. Uh, I discovered, man, I really, I remember, um, are you familiar with fizzle? I am familiar. Yeah. Friends here that live in Portland. Yep. Yeah. They were. And I met, I met Chase Reeves at, at Podcast Movement and I told him that they were the first people to teach me about online business. Um, and that was not until I was uh, 18. So I didn't discover anything about the online world, which is funny because you use the internet all the time. But, and that's after I ran pressure washing uh, and, and landscaping. But I, no, I, I really didn't know. And if I were to ask a lot of my friends right now, they would have no idea. They would have not a clue. Wow. Yeah. Mind blown. Which is crazy, which is crazy. Well, you, yeah, I mean, yeah. You, you get involved in the world, right? And so creative giants and you, you see, you know, the, the fizzles and, you know, all of the stuff, right? And so yeah. you, I just figure like more people know about this stuff. I wish, I really wish. I wish it was a, a class in school because someone told me the other day that the internet is like fire. You know, it can, it really help you or really hurt you. And I think that goes for, for anything in life, too much of it or too little of it. But with the internet, I mean, it's a powerful thing and it can be used for a lot of great stuff. Yeah, it absolutely. I, I think I'll put that in like in the classes that should be in school if, if Charlie were king for the day. So personal <laughs> finance, <laughs> productivity. Um, 
I would probably put something in about parenting in that whole journey. So people know more about that going through and um, the internet, this thing called the internet, what to do yeah. with it and what not to do with it. <laughs> that's a, that's a good piece though. What not to do with it. So, yeah. And, yeah. It's, it's funny, man, because if you think about how much people use Snapchat, Twitter, Instagram, Vine, all of these and never look at it from a business perspective, it blows my mind. If people just, if just, if they just took 30% of the time that they spend on social media for fun and put it towards, um, you know, something productive with, with business, oh, world would change. <laughs> yeah. I, I think we, I've seen a somewhat of a trend amongst gamers who are making that jump. So people who, and, and you and I both know like the, the guys, the largely guys, but there's more um, girl gamers now too, um, who spend six hours mastering a level on something like, mm -hmm. you know, and just do it over and over again. I'm like, man, if you spent like two hours of that over here on sort of these things, like you would not have to go into a job that you don't like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even video games, not to sidetrack here, but there are people that make a tremendous amount of money taking um, YouTube videos of their games and showing people how to get through it. I have, I have a friend that does that and gets a paycheck every single month, a few hundred dollars a month. It's, but that is leveraging the internet once again. The internet. Alrighty. So um, you jump into landscaping business, you jump mm -hmm. out of landscaping business to go yep. to college. Then what happens? Um. After that, okay, so out of out of landscaping, I'm backtracking now. Um, leave that, and I had I literally bounced around for a little while and did a whole lot of nothing. By and by doing that, I I, I tried a lot of different things. Um, let's see, I did I got a personal training certification. <laughs> I did two spoken word videos. Um, I. Completed my goal of waiting tables at California Pizza Kitchen. When I was 14, I applied there and they denied me. And I vowed to my mother that I will one day work at California Pizza Kitchen because it really pissed me off that they never responded. And I did. And I got to tell you, waiting tables, I think everybody should do at some point in their life. Incredible learning experience and quite a lot of fun. Uh, I did that. And this was all in like a four-month period. <laughs> it was... Uh, it's funny. Looking you back picked up it. bowling or you, you mastered your game of bowling some point during this time. Bowling started when I was 12. Okay. That was, yeah, I had pretty well, but I wasn't a bowling league all, all during that time. Um, I've been a bowling league for five or six years. Uh, and then, so that, and so let's fast forward to January of, um, 2014. So I discover podcasting. And I discovered podcasting, my girlfriend, uh, who's still my girlfriend now, she goes to UGA and hour and a half drive there, hour and a half drive back. I wanted to be productive in the car, not just listen to music. I discovered podcasting and you know, the world, uh, the whole, there's a whole new world that, that I discovered. Um, and I realized that there was a disconnect between younger entrepreneurs and are people that just want to start a business. Um, and when I say young, I don't just mean in age. I mean, if you're 50 and you haven't started business before, you're a young entrepreneur. And the people that have started a business and been successful because people always think, oh, they, they just made it happen and they're just successful when that is such a lie. There's so many things behind the scenes and a lot of difficult, uh, a lot of difficult things that they have to go through. And so I wanted to connect those dots. And thus, Teenage Entrepreneur was born. I started the podcast and the, the online community and just jumped into the podcasting world. And that really 
just brought some incredible, I mean, just brought me to where I am today. So that's what happened after uh, the landscaping. Okay. So you're still running teenage podcaster, right? Or no, you're still running. No, you're not. So, okay. Mm-hmm. Explain it yeah. to me. What happened? Okay. So you got, you got to, you got to take me into these jumps, man. Come on. Now. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, man. It's, it's just funny thinking back. I, I haven't explained it in a while. So January, 2014, I, I, uh, I start running the, the online community and again, I had just really learned about the online world, um, three, four months prior. I mean, I'm just absorbing everything. The usuals, uh, John Dumas, Pat Flynn, uh, Chris Ducker, Chase Jarvis. I learned who Gary Vaynerchuk was. Like I'm, I'm like all the big names I really started to learn about. And I just started absorbing all of the information, start the podcast, start interviewing people, start building a network, um, create a mastermind community. And, you know, things are, are really rolling. Um, at the time I was doing, um, different stuff to, to provide and monetize and provide an income, um, marketing, consulting, things like that. And I, let's see, ran that all throughout 2014. Um, and in January of this year through actually, you know what? I I think you're going to, I will go into depth about this story because (laughs) I think you will find this, this, the serendipity of this situation quite incredible. Bring it. So I interviewed a gentleman named David France on my show. He is the founder of a nonprofit that teaches violin to inner city school kids. Great guy. Love him. He introduced me to uh, the organizer of the Babson Entrepreneurship Forum. Are you familiar with Babson University? Mm -hmm. So he introduced me to her and and he just said, hey, Jordan's a great guy, does podcasting. Maybe he can come to the Babson Entrepreneurship Forum in Boston and interview some of the guests at the forum. Great. I got connected. Babson flew me up there to do interviews. This is 2014, November. Fantastic time. Met people from Twitter. Met people just from everywhere. It was mind-blowing. I had a great time. I am walking out of the conference. The day had ended. No one is there. I'm walking up the stairs by myself. I see a woman next to me. She caught my eye because she was wearing all purple, purple hat, purple dress, purple everything. And I was exhausted. I had done six interviews in a day. You know, from interviewing how tiring that is. Uh, I strike up a conversation. I said, hey, how's your day going? And uh, we just start talking. And she's asking me why I'm there, uh, my information. She's really impressed with what I'm doing. And when I gave her my information, she saw my last name, a goalie. And she asked me if it was Italian. I said, no, it's Albania. My family's from Albania. She stops and her mouth just drops wide open. She, she starts freaking out. Jordan, Albania, Albania, just, just read this message. And she throws me her phone. I had met this woman 10 minutes prior. And on the phone, it was a message from the Albanian government that said, we need your assistance in choosing two young entrepreneurs to come over and run two boot camps for our high school students uh, in Albania. And I was like, okay, this is uh, quite crazy. Turns out uh, she was the director of the entrepreneurship program for the, Uni- or the director of the global entrepreneurship program for the United States of America. And two weeks later, I get an email from the government and they invited me to go to Albania. So say all of that because I went to Albania two months later, had a great trip, um, 
got to meet the U.S. ambassador, got to teach high schoolers about business and, you know, one of the best experiences of my entire life. I came back and I realized that I was doing a whole lot of things, 10%, 10 things, 10% and spread extremely thin was uh, feeling quite crappy because I didn't feel like I was really moving forward in any of them. Mm-hmm. And everything that I was doing sounded great, but I knew that I needed to consolidate and learn more. So, uh, one of my mentors wanted me to come on to his marketing company and I, I looked at my options and I said, okay, I can continue to run my own stuff, but I'm, I'm not going to grow anymore doing that kind of stuff. I, you know, I can, I only know what I know and I'm not going to be able to teach myself that much more. I need to go be around people that are smarter than I am. And so I literally stopped everything and I said, I'm going to invest all my time in 2015 into this company and I'm going to manage their operations. I'm going to fix the operational problems that they have. And then we're going to grow the company. And I just want to learn for, for at least a six to 12 month period and build my um, credibility and just get back into you know, that operational mindset instead of running me on thing. And that is, uh, sorry, I feel like that was a long winded explanation. That That's a beautiful um, story because of what I want to remind, like I was just, I was, as you were saying, I was like, he was doing this when he was 20, right? You just, you just turned 21. That's fantastic. Thanks. Right? Man. So, so yeah, so that was, um, yeah. It, and I, I will say this to, uh, to everybody out there listening right now, I am so adamant now on, not spreading yourself thin. It's, it is the worst feeling in the whole, like it kills me, man. If there's one thing that makes me so angry, it's at myself as well as when, is when you spread yourself so thin because you don't get anywhere with that. And when you focus on one thing, like multitasking is such BS, doesn't exist, does not work. Um, and it was, it was really good. So that was back in January of, of this year that, that I did that. And I got to tell you, it was very, very hard. Um, because we faced a lot of problems in the company and we had to fix a lot of stuff in the first four or five months. And it taught me more in uh, this short period of time. I mean, I got to, for example, literally the experience that I got from that, I've been able to present to board of directors of $75 million companies, um, meet with CEOs that you would pay a thousand dollars an hour to meet with. And they're some of our clients. So it's brought me uh, in the room with people that have helped me grow so much that I am so happy I, I made that decision. So three major things you've learned this year that you wouldn't have learned had you not been in this, um, in that particular position. Go. Name three. Okay. That is, you put me on the spot. I like that. Uh, let's see three major things that I've learned this year. Um, oh man, no, nah, I'm just trying to go through it from, uh, let's see. Okay. The, the first one would, would be no matter how much money is at stake, no matter how much um, your, your reputation is at stake, it, do not compromise your, uh, your morals and your ethics. I have unfortunately had experiences with things in the last year where I discovered that the world is not as beautiful of a place as I thought it once was. And there are some very nasty and snaky people out there, but man, there's not a, there's no money. There's no amount of money that is worth it to compromise the the morals and 
the values that, that you have because your reputation is all that you have as it truly is. At the end of the day, you could have a bank account zero, but if you got a good reputation, um, that'd be the first thing. The second thing is the only way to address a problem is, uh, with honesty and confront it head on. Do not be passive about it. Do not eat around the bush. Just, just speak the truth. Just, just speak the truth and, and face it head on. Um, and then I would probably say in tandem with that with is, uh, for every problem that you face in your life, I don't, not just in business, uh, provide two solutions immediately and do not talk to anybody about it until you are finding you have two solutions, unless you're asking them for help with the solutions, because over and over again, people complain and they complain and they complain. And then the key is once you have the two solutions, choose one of them and do them. Because if you get stuck in a situation, you're going to become negative from the problems that you're facing. So that's off. That's off the top of my head. There's better. great stuff. Great stuff off the dome, man. Cause you didn't anticipate that one coming. So yeah, no. you know, the, the second point was really, um, well, first point, long, long told people like you can make as many tactical mistakes as you, as you, you need to learn, but never make a character mistake. Cause those yeah. are the ones you can't recover from. No, you know, I like that. Yeah. And so, um, second one, have you read Susan Scott's, um, fierce conversations? Mm-mm, I have not check it out, man. You'll love it. Um, cause she, she talks about, um, fierce sounds, well fierce, but it's really about having those open, honest, transparent conversations that are really, um, really had in that way. So that things move forward, you know? Yeah. Um, and there's something about the third point. I can't remember, but I'm going to go on anyways. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you got to roll that way. Fantastic answer, man. Now, so, you know, what's cracking me up here again, you're doing this when you're 20. Most other people like going through the business route or like sitting in an econ class, right? About this age, sitting in an econ class, kind of learning the fundamentals and you're talking to CEOs, you know, and you're managing operations. That's a fantastic life experience, man. Thank you, man. It's, it's been great. It really, it really has. And and I wouldn't change it. And, um, I will say this, I had a lot, I still do. And I had a lot of people against me. But at the end of the day, unless you try, you will literally never know what's going to happen. And that sounds so cliche, but it's the truth, man. As long as you just put yourself out there. And I got to tell you, things have changed over time. Um, things are going to be changing for, in 2016 for me. And as long as you're out there doing and experiencing, you're growing. So. Yeah. I mean, and the thing about that's what I was going to say about the third one, like experience is the best teacher. It, yes, it is. Right. And so as far as that getting stuck, coming up with a couple options, like you can go like people, I've seen people do that for years where they're just mulling over the options until they just pick one and do something. And then when they pick one and they take that next step is when they learn everything that they needed, like that they didn't know that whole year before, you know? Yeah. And the thing is, whatever you like, whatever you start, I swear to you six months later, it is not going to be the same thing. If you listen to my first interview that I ever did and my last one, they are radically different but both got me to where I was going. So So what's 2016 look like for you? 2016. Okay. So, all right. It's going to sound radical, but maybe actually probably not. Um, With what you said thus far, you'd you'd really have to be shooting. What are you one of the astronauts going to Mars or something? I would, dude, I was just about to make a Mars joke. You are awesome. Um, I love you. You You're awesome. That is hilarious. So 2016, 
I am actually going to be uh, going out and starting my own thing again in uh, in 2016. So I actually I just had a recent conversation with uh, with my boss and and the management team, and they are very very supportive of of the decision because I've grown a lot at the the company that I'm with, but just where they want to go and um, where I want to go are are two different areas and. I love what they have given me, but in order to grow and take it to the next level, I want to go back out and um, into the entrepreneurial world again. So I'll be starting my own business again and also starting a second podcast. So both of which, tell you the truth, I am still hashing it out. I really am. I, I don't have all the details out yet. The, the business that I want to be starting is going to be focused really around helping other small businesses find solutions for their operational problems. I love, I really do love operations. I see the world in a systems and procedures kind of way. Mm -hmm. And if I can help other businesses through software, through systems run more efficiently and smoothly, I will be a happy man. So never done that before. And I really don't know how to start that as a business. I know how to do it in a business, but I don't know how I'm going to get clients. We'll figure it out. I, I'm just, I'm trying to be as transparent as possible. I really don't have a legitimate plan. I just have an idea for, for what I want to do. And then podcasting, I really miss the podcasting world tremendously. I love interviewing people. I love what we're doing right here, building a friendship and just talking to one another. One another. The teenage entrepreneur route, I'm going to, uh, platform will always be there, but I want to move more into a, um, broader guest list. And one thing that my show started turning into was taking really incredible people and interviewing them on their journey in their life. So mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be about business, but you're a person, regular individual that started something incredible. Tell me how you did it. Tell me the lessons you learned. Mm -hmm. Tell me the real, the, like the real story behind that. So the, the show will be named real talk and tagline. I'm, I think is real, uh, real people, real stories. Um, and I'm just going to have people with incredible stories, whether it's business. Um, have you heard of Kyle Maynard before? I have not. He's a guy with no arms, no legs, and uh, became a wrestling champion, climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, and is just an absolute boss. Here's what I want to know. What was your life like? Like what, what was his life like growing up with no arms and no legs and still accomplishing all these in, um, incredible feats? I mean, uh, I saw you had Kevin Briggs on your show, right? Mm-hmm. Kevin, I want to have on my show. Kevin is a friend and he has an incredible story as well. Um, there's a woman in Michigan that runs a nonprofit that builds coats for homeless people and employs homeless people for that. I want to know her story. Um, and cool. yeah, that's the tentative, tentative plan. You know, the thing about it is the world is full of amazing stories amazing people doing great things. And that's one of the reasons I love podcasting is because you yeah. get to see that, right? We get to shine a light on that rather than, well, sometimes what the media wants us to see. Very true. It's, it's true, man. There's so many, it's kind of, it's sad. There are terrible things that happen in this world, but there are also people doing really, really great things. And, you know, at the end of the day, all I want to do is help people. I, I deeply, I have a deep care for humanity. And there's a lot of people struggling out there, myself included. We all have our struggles. I'm sure you do too. We, we all go through difficult things. But if I can have 
uh, a podcast listener hear someone on my show that had the same uh, struggle that they're having right now and it can help them get through that struggle, then I call it a success. It could make no money forever, but if it's helping people, then then that's really all I care about. Uh, but Because at the end of the day, what really is life without people? Not much. Not much indeed. So... Yeah, let's go ahead and wrap it up there. That's a great place. I really appreciate you taking the time to tell your story and, and of course. join and riff with me. Um, it's been great having you, Jordan. Dude, thank you so much. You asked great questions. I had an absolute blast today, man. I really did. I, I appreciate you having me on the show. Alrighty, Creative Giant. So you heard it from Jordan. Guy started businesses when he was 14 or started a business when he was 14 and has just had this wild ride, taking chances, betting on himself. What can you do? to see that possibility for yourself, to take the chance on yourself and see what experience will teach you throughout the process. Until next time, stand tall. Thanks for listening to The Creative Giant Show. To find more tools and inspiration for creative giants, head on over to ProductiveFlourishing.com. Stand tall, creative giant.